Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. If you would have asked me five years ago if I could see myself as a podcast host and if I might have a future in podcasting, I probably would have told you you were crazy. I had no intentions of... Uh, doing anything like this. And so I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here and allowing me to have the space to find a voice for myself and my business and uh, my entrepreneurial spirit. And these interviews that I've been um, conducting lately have just really been eye-opening and inspiring and I love them so much. And so um, I guess I'm just needing to say thank you for listening and for making something like this possible for me. Welcome to the Your Hair Mentor Podcast, the podcast where we explore all things hair and beauty. I'm your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green, and I'm here to guide you through the ever-changing landscape of the beauty industry. Are you a hairstylist looking to stay ahead of the game? Or perhaps you're a hair enthusiast wanting to up your hair game? Well, you've come to the right place, my friend. As an expert hairstylist with over 20 years behind the chair, I've seen it all. From the latest trends to timeless classics, I'm here to bring you insider knowledge that will keep you ahead of the curve. But don't worry, I'm not just here to preach about the latest hair fads. I'm funny, I think, lighthearted, and not afraid to tell it like it is. Whether it's calling out industry myths or sharing hard truths about the realities of the beauty industry, I'll bring you the unfiltered truth. We're sharing the tea, people. So sit back, relax, and get ready to elevate your hair game to the next level. The Your Hair Mentor podcast is for all hair enthusiasts and beauty lovers out there. Let's get started. Now, this week, I interviewed someone 
really special. Um, not that one person is more special than the other. Everyone that I've interviewed has been fantastic, but this woman I met, I saw first on stage at an InnerSense event that I attended. Oh, I guess it's been two months ago now. And although everybody there was wonderful and actually I made some great contacts for future conversations, um, this girl just sparkled on stage and the things that she was saying and the way that she was saying them, I'm like, man, I need to have a conversation with her. She's doing things to change our industry for the better. Um, from the, uh, I'm not the legal, the, the like government standpoint, the regulation standpoint, and also from like the grassroots standpoint where she's, um, out educating the masses. And so, um, I could blab on all day about how great, Brianna Bell is, but you know, I'm going to let her just speak for herself. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Brianna Bell. I have to tell you, you look so different with your hair down. I don't know if people tell you that. I feel like the same when I wear my hair up versus down. But when I first met you, you had your hair up in that like beautiful kind of round updo. Yeah. You look so different with your hair down. I was like, oh, yeah. is that the same person? Everybody, yes, it is. everybody always says that they're like, Something's off, something's different. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, probably the last time I had my hair up. Yeah. 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 Which was a great look for being on stage and it keeps it out of your face too. But, um, okay. So why don't we just jump in and have you give me like a little intro? Like, where are you? Who yeah. are you? Uh, what you doing? Okay, cool. Well, my name is Brianna Bell. Um, I am located in Lawrence, Kansas, in the center of the U.S. Um, It's funny because there's been a handful of people who actually have asked me, like, where is Kansas? And I'm like, I promise you, we exist. Like, (laughs) we just get blown over and nobody acknowledges us. But yeah, I'm out here. I'm alive. There's hairstylists out here, (laughs) real specialists in this world. Um, I have been in the industry for... Um, I'm working on my sixth year right now, so I'm really excited. There's six years professionally. Um, I've had a passion ever since I was super young for being in the hair industry. Um, thought it was going to be a hobby when I was younger. Um, and then very quickly, just the more I got immersed in it and just connected with people, I was like, oh my goodness, like, why do I keep running away from this? Which I'm sure a lot of us have that story where it's like, ah, it's kind of this notion of, is hair really a career? And we slightly buy into that or maybe have some like, you know, doubt or talk from others. And then you realize like, you're really talented in this area and you love connecting with people. And I just saw that for myself. And um, specifically in when it comes to the hair industry, I work with a lot of tight textured hair, tight curly hair. Um, I work with all hair types, but that specifically has become like, the heart of everything I do and where I teach um, because there has always, you know, for a long time just been um, just like a need for it. You know, there's so many clients in this world that have curly hair and there's no knowledge. There's no product knowledge, technical knowledge, like everything from the beginning of entering into this industry to being years into the game and like still trying to seek out continued education it's always just been limited so um that has something that has been something that over the years i've become so passionate about is just making hair education and hair resources more acceptable 
Um, I've worked behind the chair doing it and trying to, you know, teach clients and then being able to share um, the knowledge with other professionals is always amazing because everybody in this world has hair. So there's no reason for, for, you know, people to try to keep all the information to themselves, you know, otherwise you're just going to have that continuous problem of, okay, I'm overbooked, you know, and someone else is um, either messing up on this and they want to know the information or they're messing out of up on the on their clients um just because they've never been told how to do it correctly so right right yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's awesome about me I've been like chasing it for for some years now and it just feels good all the different people and stylists I get to meet um from a- other areas um and stuff like that so mm-hmm Well, you know, statistically, since you've gotten past the first five years in the industry, like you're, you're doing great. You know, most people that, that get in, in that first one to five years, if they don't find their, their niche and like what inspires them, they tend to walk away from it thinking, oh, maybe it's not for me. So the fact that you're there and like have found something that truly calls to you is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I've had, I've heard that, you know, before and I know I remember being in school and someone telling me that and also saying like the whole look to your left, look to your right, you know, only one of you or a couple of you are going to make it. And I was like, that is so like discouraging. You know, why would you say that? But I do realize like there's a lot that we have to deal with in this industry and you do need to like find your niche, find your thing that's going to keep you going. And so I'm just, I feel really blessed. Um, Sometimes I like sit back and I'm like, how did I end up here? But I... I'm very thankful and I just give all credit to God because like couldn't have done it, you know, without his guidance. So yeah. um, it feels good, but thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Did you know going into the industry, like when you went into beauty school, were you going to focus on like tight textured hair? Was that like your laser focus or were you just like, you know, I'm just going to do this thing and see what calls to me? Um, I would say that I was more so open-minded to exploring um, and seeing what, you know, what my thing ended up being, but, um, a little backstory about me, I ended up maybe at the age of 12 hopping on YouTube. And so it's kind of funny. I love telling this story because I consider myself, like I tell younger, like younger generation, I was like, oh, I was an influencer before, you know, influencing was a thing. Um, (laughs) But it's funny because I was trying to learn how to do my own hair um, and a little bit like a a side note about me. I'm one of 11 children. So my parents had 11 children, six boys. Yes. And growing up, like especially for the girls, like all of us having a lot of hair, like was a big deal. Um, And I in particular did not like getting my hair done. Um, I went through the phase of getting a relaxer. I did not, my hair and my scalp didn't react too well with the relaxer. So between being a person who didn't like getting their hair done and always like basically having challenges with chemical, you know, and just it not being done correctly on me at the time, it was just one of those things of like, what do we do with her hair? You know, what Brianna's a child, like everybody has beautiful hair, but like, we're still trying to find like her look or her like go-to style growing up. And so Um, I went through a phase of just like hopping online, seeing all these like, you know, new YouTubers. YouTube was like really becoming a thing back in like 2004 and like around that time. And so I was watching like little, you know, as time passed, like 
people popping up talking about their hair. And I remember watching that as like a 13, 12, 13 year old and being like, I can do that, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> So I got a camera, I got like in my, my parents' bathroom and I was just like recording like, okay, we have this product and I'm going to do this. So did that for a while and I got contacted by two companies. I had my little email that of course you had to set up in order to have, um, uh-huh. in order to have an account in, I had it at the bottom because all YouTubers had like business inquiries. So I just copied and pasted that and put my email on it. And I got like two companies who sent me an email and said, would you like to try, you know, our products? My parents thought it was fake. Uh-huh. Um, Rihanna, like, no, 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 no. And then they sent it again. Um, and my mom was like, let's just see, you know, and the company sent me all their new products that had come out. And from that, like from years on out, I was just like reviewing products for them and getting paid like to do it. So I was like, this is really cool. And like, you know, when you're a child, you think a hundred dollars is like, oh yeah. Like, oh, I've made it. Like, <laughs> mom, I can pay the bills now. Like <laughs> so um it's funny because at that time when I reflect on like my mindset, I knew I loved it. I knew I enjoyed it. Um I was doing my hair, my friend's hair, you know, having a lot of siblings, it wasn't like I had a lot of friends like just coming over to stay and do sleepovers and stuff like that. So that was like my, my thing, you know, like mom could mm-hmm. come over and I do her hair, you know, her mom said it was okay. And my mom's like, okay, you know, as long as you're staying out of trouble, you know? Right. So I knew I couldn't have a bunch of girls come over and like, you know, do their hair. So it was like, okay, this is at least like my thing to get somebody over at our house or my reasoning to go over to somebody else's house, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was a, it was a fun social you know, aspect. It fulfilled that for me. Um, cause I was very much an introvert growing up as a child. So I was like, cool, this like makes me the popular girl, like uh-huh. hair. <laughs> so, um, imagine me in junior high, you know, all those years of doing that and only thinking of, you know, the hair industry as like, Oh no, this is a hobby. It's a fun I, thing. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it's a fun thing. I want to grow up. I want to do something else. Like this is just, servicing like this this aspect of you know my life my youth Mm -hmm. Uh, as time went on and I got you know to high school and conversation about college began coming up then it was like you should just do hair you should just and and I just didn't like that at that point did you still have your YouTube channel I did not as much because once I got to high school I went through a phase of not wanting to tell anybody that I was on YouTube and trying to like re-identify myself. And I thought like, oh, my old videos were immature and like that was old me. Mm. So um, yeah, I just kind of went through a phase where I did an occasional one, but, and I didn't tell anybody until maybe my junior and senior year that some, some, I don't know how, but I was doing hair and I think word got out that Brianna's on YouTube. And I just remember like the high school newspaper like contacted me and they're like, Hey, we want to watch, like do this article. And they had already had like photos of my YouTube stuff, like all together. And they were like, we just want to like get your input. Like when did this start? And so that kind of like towards the end of my, you know, high school years, it it came up again. And I was like, I was trying to hide that. Like, <laughs> so, um, 
but yeah, it was, it was a phase of just like not wanting to associate that as a career. And I think what the reason why is because, you know, like you're, everybody's talking about what college you're going to, you know, they're like this university and I want to like move away to that. And so you kind of get caught up in just like not thinking about like what actually makes you happy and, you know, and I did know that I wanted to go to business school. I knew that at some point when I wanted to do hair that I did want to do some business certification. So I just fit pretty much like led with that because it sounded, it sounded more, you know, better. Yeah, respectable. More yeah. respectful. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell people like, oh, I'm going to business school. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And so um, didn't really talk much about hair. Um, but I I kind of like lost a little bit of what the question you asked me about, like, oh. um, <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. But um, pretty much like as that transpired and it got to the end of my year for me to finally make a selection, um, thankfully I did receive, you know, some scholarships at that time and it was like, okay, do I want to utilize this for a school or like a cosmetology school or for a university? And Kansas, the curric are the schools, cosmetology schools at that time were kind of going through a lot. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Meaning like we had three different schools shut down, um, like back to back within like a year. And that was really huge. And also like really nerve wracking for me because I saw some of my older friends who had gone through cosmetology or just like my siblings, their peers that had gone to cosmetology school. And because the school shut down, they lost their hours and they had to start over. And that was so scary to me. Um, And I knew that, you know, I had just received this scholarship money. I did not want to waste it. And so at that time it was like, make a decision fast, you know, and put it somewhere where I know like, you know, it's not going to get messed up. So um, at the time I was really trying to go somewhere local, uh, meaning like, five, 10 minutes up the road, you know? And so because that happened, that just really became scary for me. And the one school that I did get ready to like commit to, um, I went that Friday, talked to the people like, you know, to get it set up. And they said to come back and make my payment the following Friday, nothing but God, because that Tuesday, I think they called, it was a voice recording and it said, hi, this is da 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 such and such cosmetology school, we have just like, all schools have just been shut down permanently across the country. And I was supposed to go that Saturday, like and make my payment to start school. So when that happened, yes, I was nervous. I was scared, but I was like, I'm not even going to complain because I'm so happy that it happened, you know, when it did. And I went ahead and started at the university of Kansas until I had a for sure, you know, like full, a for sure decision on which school I was going to go to. So um, started at KU, did two years there. Um, while I was in school at for those two years, I finally selected a cosmetology school I wanted to go to. And I just took a brief break to go get my cosmetology license because my brother, who was also a barber um, and had been a barber for maybe like six or seven years at the time, um, or five, something like that. And he, we'd always talked about like, at some point we're going to have a studio, we're going to have a half barbershop, half salon. And so he was ready to start his 
his place. He had already owned two smaller um, or worked at two smaller and owned one smaller barbershop. And he was like, the next place I want to work at, like, I want it to be the place. Mm-hmm. So he came to me and he was like, when are you going to school? So that put fire under my feet and I had to get my act together, go to school. Um, I say I took a break, but in all reality, when I think about it, there was a community college five minutes away from the cosmetology school. So I just transferred some of my hours to that school. So I was going to cosmetology school and like college at the same time, like from eight to like 10 in the evening. Like it was a ridiculous schedule, but it's over now. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's so over now and um I'm I'm just thankful I wouldn't I would never do it again but um I'm just mm-hmm. glad that you know we finished um so after I graduated cosmetology school went back to KU immediately finished up my last two years and I graduated KU in 2020 um okay. with a business degree in management and entrepreneurship so nice yeah. what a fun story oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> That's wild. So do you know why all those beauty colleges were shutting down nationwide? Um, I, now that I've had, like, we can get into, you know, like working with the state a little bit later, but, um, now that I have like some brief experience on like how different things work with like legislation and government and stuff like that, I know that they're, I don't know the full story, but I know that there are, you know, pretty strict requirements as far as like your your turnover rates of, you know, staff, staff to student ratios and making sure that, you know, are your students paying, you know, are they being able to one, pay for school and then also become um, employed after school. And so when that gets off and when they're smaller or non-accredited schools like that does become challenging and so um there was a lot actually going wrong it wasn't just specifically kansas but there was just a lot going on i believe with other states and people just like you know legislation cracking down on that and you know the industry sometimes is very high turnover and so um Mm -hmm. yeah there was just a lot with you know Loans so, not being paid off. Yeah. Okay. There's, yeah. yeah. So it, it was more like a um kind of particulars that ended up shutting yeah. them down. Okay. Yeah. I know there were some beauty colleges in Nevada that were shut down because of like embezzlement within like the corporation. Yeah. So it was like a totally different uh problem. But I was just curious if it was like something similar. Yeah, or... there is there the one that I was getting ready to go to, like I hope. There was nothing crazy, crazy going on, but I will say that one was more shocking to me because that was like, they had maybe, maybe 20 something locations like across the U.S. So it wasn't just Kansas. That one was shocking. So I don't know quite what was going on there, but they had different locations and I was like, okay, that's crazy. What was going on with that? Um, I ended up going to Paul Mitchell and it's like Overland Park area, which is about 35, 40 ish minutes away from me. Um, So, yeah, I just commuted. I figured that, you know, Paul Mitchell is a well-known name, you know, so um, when it when I was looking at schools, I was like, I mean, sorry to any private. I'm, you know, a small business owner, but I just it was scary to me because that quickly I could have just lost, you know, money that I was going to um, that I was going to pay for school for. Totally. It doesn't instill confidence in you either when you're like, 
Yeah, so uh, okay. and I know like they they were like what's going on and everything like that and I know they were concerned too it put it rose up it increased a lot of concern for just people wanting to start school during that time period mm -hmm. um, a lot of students like had the same experience they're like oh you were gonna go to that school like and some of them had lost their money they're like I was getting ready to start and Jeez. they couldn't start anymore That's and so it's terrifying. like, are you going to get your money back? And they're like, no, you know, like you can't even contact anybody. So um, I know that there was, if it was loans these past couple of years during the, the like COVID relief, um, a few stylists have told me like in the area that there was finally a settlement of just like clearing some of their loans from their previous school, but they do have to obviously, you know, like cover whatever school that they did go to. So yeah, thankfully- I'm thankful for them, but I'm like, I'm glad I was not, not. Yeah. So, Seriously. yeah. So yeah, I feel like this is kind of a natural lead into my next question, which is, um, you are, are you on the state board or tell me what, what did you do next? I guess. So, <laughs> um, so over the pandemic, um, I want to say like 2019, 2020, early 2020, um, I was contacted by governor's office to be a member on state board. Um, and so funny story, I ended up declining, declining. The Okay. um, I I've always had a passion for like wanting to work, you know, with state board on that level, but with everything that was going on during the pandemic and all the salons getting shut down, like, All I imagined was that's what we were going to have to deal with. So I knew a couple of people who were on um, the board at the time. So I contacted them before I even made my decision. And I said, hey, you know, like just got this information. And of course, they're like, oh, my goodness, Brianna, we want you like we need somebody. But they were very transparent with me that um, because of the time period and everything that was going on, that the only cases Um, that they were dealing with were COVID related, you know, in making decisions. And obviously the state board cannot like, they couldn't make decisions as to whether a salon was going to shut down. Only the government could, Yeah. but they still had to be the middleman to like respond and kind of handle that. And I just, I wasn't interested. Um, Mm so um, I said no. And then they were like, oh my goodness, but like, we've been watching you and we know what you do. Like what would get you... Like, do we need to wait until after some of this like dies down? But then also like nobody knew when that, you know, when the pandemic, the height Right. of it was going Yeah. to die down. So um, I just specifically expressed to them like, okay, I'm super passionate about the education portion. Um, and they had a subcommittee that worked basically was still the same people from state board, but they had a specific just education subcommittee. So That is the committee I work on. Um, I work very closely with, I mean, all of the members who are on the committee are also on state board. So um, it's funny because I feel like they still try to like, Brianna, you should just literally, it, we're all the same people. This is the experience. Um, but, and I love, I love working with them. It's been, you know, we've had some ups and downs, but um, it's been a pretty good experience, but I'm like, education is my passion. Uh-huh. Um, not really all of the other Yeah. aspects, you know, obviously Yeah. Right. my consulting and advice, I don't mind contributing, but, um, yeah, that's what I do. That's my position is Okay. 
board member on. I want to back up for a second and ask you, what were you doing in your business and your life that made them so attracted to you? Like for, for other hairstylists out there that might be interested in somehow getting involved, yeah. what were you doing? Um, so a couple of things, I definitely was being like, I networked a lot. Um, I had already into my second, first to second year of being a hairstylist. I already acknowledged and understood that curl education was something that was missing in schools. So within six months to a year after me graduating, and I went and took all these curl certifications, like I knew that when I was sitting in those classes being a student that I was like observing, I was attending the class to learn, but I also was attending those classes and watching the instructors because I really wanted to be an instructor too. And so I was able to like ask myself those questions and acknowledge that early on that like, okay, may not be now, but at some point I want to take that route. Um, when I got back home, cause I went to New York and New Jersey to do a lot of those trainings. Um, I immediately started going back to nearby cosmetology schools as guest artist. Um, and then as I communicated with the cosmetology schools, it was like, Hey, can we make this a regular thing? Um, can I do some like consulting projects to help, uh, maybe increase you, you know, you're the, the, first of all, the instructor's understanding of, you know, working with curly hair. Um, right. and then also, you know, how does that lead into increasing your students understanding? And so, um, there's always some challenges there. And so once I kind of, I, like I said, you just, you put yourself out there, you start networking, not only with just schools, but your nearby salons. Um, I literally was just walking, I'd be downtown walking, you know, in our area and see a salon and just be like, Hey, you know, now I will say there is definitely a huge challenge in doing that because as you know, you're aware working in the hair industry, some people can be a little bit more like standoffish or catty. And yes. I just don't take that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I came here with all honesty and to be polite to you. So, and there's like no hidden agenda, like, and I know that, um, working in the salon that I had, or like the salon that we own owned a lot of the clients, I would ask, how did you find out about us? Or what was your prior story? And so a lot of them were saying, I went to this salon and I got messed up or I had these challenges and stuff like that. And I knew it wasn't specifically geared at a specific stylist, but this is across the board, you know? Right. Right. So I just really wanted to showcase that, guys, I know that I'm a salon in the community. We were the first multicultural salon and barbershop like in our area. So very quickly, people were like, oh, if you want to know something, go there, go there. And I'm like, I, I love what you all are doing, but we're also not the go to because you don't know, you know, like when yeah. are you going to learn? When are you going to know? So um, I just as people saw me in the community. Um, they were like, oh, you know, like, don't talk to her. And so I just really wanted to put myself out there and show that yeah. I'm welcoming. So I would just walk in and be like, oh, I was getting lunch next door. I own what's a call. I just want to come and say hi, you know, like, and if you guys ever want to do education, like we host classes at our salon sometimes, you know? Um, so yeah, it was for anybody who's interested, you gotta, 
you got to just really um, stick with it because mm-hmm. you will get some people who are like, I don't want to talk to you. And even people who I was, you know, super nice to and expressive, like it took them about six months to a year to finally go, okay, I need to come talk to you, you know? And I understood. I'm like, I get it. Cause yeah. we all have a battle in this industry where we have to fight individual, you know, on our own, we go yeah. through school and we kind of like start off on this, like this, we start off as a group and as a community. And then as you get towards the end of your career, you kind of get thrown into the, like, you know, yeah. to the ocean, you know, with every, all the other sharks and stuff. And it's like, you got to survive. We're all on our own now. So um, I do understand that that's just something we deal with. And it's a little bit uh, traumatizing to us to, you know, let our guard down. But I just wanted to in any way, break that ice, you know, break that barrier um, so that we could, so that I could be a resource. Well, and I wonder too, at that same time, it seems like, um, curly hair started having a real moment too. And so most people have some sort of undulations in their hair. Right. And if you don't know how to do that, then you start really missing out on money when all of your clients are coming in and being like, I want to have more of a lived in curly. I want to explore my natural textures. You're like, Oh crap. (laughs) I can't send everyone to the salon down the street. I better learn something. Exactly. It's so easy to say like, Oh, a walk-in comes in. I don't have a relationship with this person. So sorry, go to somewhere else. But when your own clients are starting to make that shift, you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I need to like, oh, hold on. Uh huh. I got to shift, got to, got to change, pivot, figure things out. So, um, that kind of transitions a little bit into like when the pandemic was going on, um, there was also a lot of rise in the conversation of Black Lives Matter. And so it kind of brought up some racial, like, you know, controversy, especially in the salon setting, um, you know, because like everybody comes, they talk about, you know, literally anything from personal, personal life to politics, like whether we try to deter it or not, it's it, it's going to come up. And so right. um, we were put in an interesting perspective because being a a salon and barbershop owned by, you know, a black woman and a black man, my brother, like that is obviously a conversation there's a way of any clients coming in and asking us questions it was like oh that's something that I can answer from experience um but very quickly I had messages in online in my email I even had stylists who called our salon directly and they would be like hi is Brianna there and I the other stylist would bring me the phone and they're like I'm having a situation um I have a client in my chair and she's making me very irritated because because of what they're saying, you know, and we just we don't know the dialogue, you know, how to have these conversations, because as much as they teach us in school, you know, veer away from politics, veer away from there's you can't veer away from your peace and your humanity. Like those are things that when someone. Yes, you want to operate a business, but there is there's certain conversations that you can't they say silence is violence. And I, I'm appreciative, you know, that they, they reached out. Cause I know it was tough. You know, I know that. And they're like, we just don't know what to say, but this is a huge conversation in all of our spaces right now. Right. Amongst the pandemic happening. So, um, we did a class called breaking barriers and we opened up our salon, um, 
for people in the community to come um, and attend this class where we laid out kind of the history of how, obviously, I when a lot of things were arising, especially with the, the George Floyd and all of the different individuals, you know, that... Um, that going through police brutality and th things like that, like we couldn't attest and speak on every other industry, but pertaining to our industry, we did have to acknowledge, like, do we understand the history of like why there's so much division in our industry and why, you know, curls are really excluded? Um, reflecting back to college really quick, that's something, a topic I'm really passionate about. So I t did specific assignments just to kind of like, understand like our years of our history and the, the timeline of how things happen. So um, we opened up our space to have that conversation to acknowledge like how our industry became um, became an industry. Obviously, people have been doing hair for years on out. You know, everybody has hair. But when it became like more regulated um, and acknowledged as, you know, as an industry and seeing how there was a lot of written divisions already put in stone that, hey, you're we're going to have these schools, white schools and black schools, you know, and how some of that curriculum has never been rewritten for years on out, you know, and currently for a lot of states still up until this day. Yeah. And so um, a lot of that information, like stylists did not know, and it wasn't to point fingers at stylists and say, like, the problem is you or the problem is us, but it's like, this is, we're still operating off of a systematic, like systematic racism, you know? So how do we acknowledge that and stop waiting on the head guy upstairs to solve the problem and start solving it little by little within our own spaces and behind our chair. Mm -hmm. So um, that really was eye-opening to people within our community. There's people who traveled in from, you know, the nearby states for that conversation. We had three different sessions um, and it was like 40. Um, I think our first session was like 45, then it was like 30, then it was 50 people. And then different salons were like, can you come and have this class with, you know, our staff members? And so um, that was the big transitioning point because media got in on it. They came and recorded it. Um, everything. And that's when I was contacted by the, um, the state board, gotcha. um, actually by the governor's office because there was a vacant spot. And so that's how that transpired is just, like I said, putting yourself out there and realizing that you have to be somebody, you know, who's trying to change the industry and also, um, becoming amongst you know known amongst your your professional peers and things like that so um so real quick mm -hmm. what were you teaching in these classes was it more like how to have conversations or were you teaching like hair techniques to better serve those people as well um it was actually how to have conversations i think it's important as much as i wanted to dive deep i was doing hands-on classes during that time. Um, but one thing I also realized with some of my hands-on classes is that people were coming to class, they were doing a phenomenal job um, with their model, and then they would go back to their salon and not utilize it. Mm. And there was still this internal fear. And I would always call and check in with people and say, hey, like, you know, like it's, it's three months past, like how's things going? Have you brought in your next model? Um, you did a phenomenal job. Like, here's your work. If you need reminding that you did a good job, 
Um, and I'm just, I'm somebody who at some point we're going to talk and the nitty gritty is going to come out, you know? And it always ended up saying, being like, uh, I'm still scared. And I was like, okay, why are you scared? You know, is it, I just don't know how to acknowledge the client in the room, you know, or to have this conversation. And sometimes we as hairstylists or we as an industry get caught up in skin color and not looking at hair uh-huh. is hair, you know? Yeah. We get told that saying, and we may say it, hair is hair, but there's still this internal feeling of like, but I don't identify, I don't know if we have separate experiences, if I can really service a client because they look different from us. And so interesting. Um, it that's just one thing, you know, it wasn't every single person who attended class, but the few people that I thought, you know, excelled, they excelled because they're like, I felt comfortable because you were standing there and it doesn't have to be another black person. It could be, you know, a mixed person or a native American or a Mexican, like just because they looked different from you, that that became a barrier of just like, I, I'm just going to stick with my clientele who usually comes to me, mm. Like, but you just invested so that you can bring yeah. all the different, you know, curl patterns in and different curl patterns means you're going to meet different races, you know, right. Um, in Kansas, you know, being, being where we are being in the Midwest, like that is something that, you know, we still, you know, socially and government wise, like have challenges with. Um, but it was something that it was like, okay, this is, this is your business. Are, are we really going to do this? You know, um, no, I, we were not the salon to service, you know, multicultural clientele. There's always been salons out here in stylists who individually have like said, oh, I can do it, you know, um, but they say it with hesitation. So to publicly make that statement of like, anybody can come here. I don't care whether you have straight hair, curly hair, like you could be getting a perm and sitting across from somebody who's getting her hair box braided, you know, that was a yeah. statement in our, you know, our region that like, oh, wow, this is what a multicultural salon is. It's not just multicultural, like that's a black salon. This is like, no, you see literally everybody in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just, that's kind of where that conversation is just being able to talk about it and to have the conversation led by somebody who was comfortable talking about it. Because sometimes you go to these classes and it's like, okay, we're going to put the table out there and everybody is sugarcoating things. And it's like, hey, if you need to cry right now, like literally like let it out because this is what's going to make you comfortable totally. so that you can go back and be work behind the chair with confidence. Yes. And be that safe space for your client too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, that's really what we all are, right. Is like, whether or not we want to be, we are a comfortable or we should be a comfortable yeah. and safe space for our clients to just be whoever they need to be, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then to bring back to the the state board, what was the name of the um, committee that you're on? Um, the education committee, yes. The education committee. So are you proposing extra education to be taught in the beauty schools to incorporate more like multicultural education or like what are you doing with that? Yeah. So um, we've actually, thankfully, like 
I guess before I like acknowledge that currently we have rewritten the curriculum and it's sitting in the review process, like with legislation right now, which that is a long process to go through, but at least like for the most part, their curriculum that we have proposed seems to be like in its final, like approved state stages of like reviewing it with the schools and things like that. Now we just need the government to do the final signature on it. So that can take some time. So, um, but what the curriculum essentially looks like and um, is made up of is we did not look at the curriculum to increase the hours. Um, in the state of Kansas, you have 1500 hours and cosmetology actually includes not just hair, but a little bit of skin and nails and makeup. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in different states, they actually have that separated out, but that's how our curriculum um, our cosmetology um, licensing is is made up of. Right. So we didn't want to mess with the 1500 hours. Um, if anything, if there was a chance to reduce the hours, that would be awesome. Because our conversation that first came up when we started our reopened up this case of rewriting the curriculum because they had they've attempted it, you know, in years past, but they didn't really know what angle and what to do. Okay. Um there's so many reasons on why, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's started and stopped so many times. But when I came into it, the first question was like, how long ago was the curriculum actually edited? And at the time it was like 27 years. And when they edited it 27 years ago, it was when they did the implementation of nail hours in the mm. curriculum. That was it. So prior to that, it was like 30 something years, um, where they just shifted hours, but nothing was like changed up as far as topics, um, yeah. things like that. So our first thing was to identify the current problems. And one, we have students who are spending 1500 hours in school and they are not learning all the topics. Um, so the question then came up, is it because there's not enough time to teach these topics? The answer to that was no, there's plenty enough time. Mm -hmm. Everybody, yes, everybody has the story of like, oh, I spent all this time, you know, being in theory class, doing hands-on work. And then you have this whole chunk of like 400 hours where you were sitting there waiting. Like I would even say 400 to 500 hours where you were just kind of like fiddling your fingers and talking to your friends. So we acknowledged very quickly and we gathered that that up-to-date information um, by giving surveys to the current, like, you know, past students and then also current students um, and then also instructors. So once we, you know, acknowledged that that was the current state, we were like, okay, we're not increasing hours. Um, now we need to identify what people feel like they're spending the most time on. And I don't quote me on this, but there was a, I know definitely there was a high, high percentage of the curriculum that was dedicated to perms. Uh-huh. Yes. Same, I, same in California where I was yeah. originally licensed too. And I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I almost want to say we calculated out. I want to say it was like 30%, something like that, but um, I'll have to look back at it at some point, but it was a large chunk that was just like, what do you need to spend and do a hundred and something perms for? You yes. Know? Yes. So, Which I've like uh, never done in my career. <laughs> exactly. So we also want to keep in mind that like, we're not trying to get rid of perms like those. That's still something that comes up, but we start identifying like all these different hours where it was like, okay, why are you doing that? You're like, let's be realistic. What's, what do they really need to practice on? 
Um, there was a lot of hours that was dedicated to blow drying. And we started to identify that like, yes, blow drying is important, but you're also duplicating so many of these hours when you say blow drying specifically, say a hundred blow dries, a hundred flat irons, a hundred, you know, like obviously you can't blow, you can't flat iron until you blow dry, you know? So you had to like really reduce all of that down. Um, And then we had all of these hours that honestly were left over. So we got a little bit more specific about the coloring techniques because a lot of the curriculum was very generic and basic coloring techniques. And we had some overachieving schools that were teaching different balayage techniques um, and things like that. But like it should become a requirement because you already have the supplies to do these techniques in the salon. So why aren't you teaching the students to do, you know, a foliage or combined techniques and not doing right. them all separate because this is what they're going to be doing um, in the salon. So yes. Um, essentially we just like really became specific about the different techniques that were more current, obviously the basic ones, but then the more advanced techniques, um, we did, um, we did expand significantly the area of texture. And so texture at the time, what it looked like was relaxers and perms. So, or a a press and curl. (laughs) Exactly. So we had, we got very specific about like what that includes. Um, and when I remember at some point when we were getting ready to submit that, they said, well, you can't add like too many new categories. And it like, at one point I felt a little bit defeated because I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm like, so what are we doing? You know, like, I'm like, I can't, I really can't with you all. Cause you want me to do my job. You want me to like specifically hone in I was brought in like as the main consultant for the texture category and the color it was me and another lady who did color as well and I was like okay like this is ridiculous like if and so um basically our loophole was there I think what they call it is like a shampoo set and Mm -hmm. And that's like the older term is like where they, they shampoo and then they set the hair on rollers. Yes. And so um, there was a lot of hours dedicated to that. And we looked at the definition for a shampoo set and it said, it just said like wet setting the hair. Dang. So yeah, <laughs> we started talking, we started like putting like natural curl setting, setting the hair, like in that category. And they, they were like, okay, we can do that. You know, um, they were like, what is silk pressing? And I was like, that's thermal work, you know, like stop sectioning it out. And so at one point it came up um, before we even started like finding loopholes is should we just create a whole separate curriculum for natural hair? And I was like, no, no, because obviously if someone wants to do specialty work, the school is just there to teach you the basics and give you introductory work. But like, we're not excluding, like, this is the current challenge we're having now. So we're trying to have a place at the table, not create a separate, you know, table. Yes. It was just kind of going, when I tell you like month after month, I thought it would be an easy conversation, but there was weeks where every Tuesday morning, seven, eight in the morning, we get on the call and I was like, so what did we just spend two hours talking about, you know, but at some point after about a year and a half, we did start finding loopholes um mm-hmm. and loopholes that were more um 
that the older um if I could say the older board members were okay with because that is something we had to deal with that is in all honesty is like you know people who've been in the industry for a long time don't always like change and so it was like okay so how do we explain it to them so when we explained the loopholes they're like oh okay you know I like that and um the funny thing that I thought was interesting is even when we were talking about the implementation of like different curl setting techniques and stuff like that like some of these board members had curly hair themselves you know so I was like yeah you know it was just constant conversation about like so how did you do your hair oh I can't find anybody to do my hair and I'm like exactly this is why we need to move forward (laughs) so um yeah so then with the implementation of some of these um new I'm air quoting new techniques (laughs) right uh being put into the education are they also going to add that into what's tested in order to get licensed so that's a um, or is that the like tricky part okay tricky because in most states um i don't think people know this but like you have the board and then you kind of have like this testing third-party testing um organization that Yes, the board helps and provides consulting as to what is on the test and they can rewrite the, you know, the test curriculum. But as much as I would love to say, like the education committee handles all things under education with government, they kind of like break committees up too much. Mm. So while we were working on this, that was one question that actually came up. Um, And there was some challenges that were happening with our, like specifically to the state of Kansas, our testing center at the time. And they got rid of the practical as we were working on the curriculum. So Mm. complete, when I say complete shock, we got on the call that morning and it was like, oh, hey guys, it was voted yesterday, no more practical. And we're like, like at all, at all. So the state of Kansas actually currently just does two written and that happened. That was implemented, I believe, two years, two years ago. Wow. So, and that was a completely different committee. Um, and sometimes, sadly, some of these committees don't really have a lot of people who are current professionals or, you know, or they when it comes to voting day, like they don't it's not announced to all of you know, the professionals in the industry. So there's only a few people there to vote on it. Mm -hmm. So that's the sad part about like working in in the government. Like, it's just, I'm like, I, you feel defeated, but Mm -hmm. um, you're just always trying to, you know, look at the end goal, the immediate goal. And even with the practical being, being gone, you know, yet the practical never like indicated whether somebody can do hair. So I had to like refocus and be like, it's not the end of the day. They still need hands-on work, you know? Um, And even when we are trying to push a new curriculum, the government, as much as we say, oh, these are new techniques, they're up to date. The government really is more so concerned about public safety. safety. That's it, yeah. It's like, you're always trying to word. I know when I'm talking to a student, I'm not going to say, hey guys, we're going to learn a public safety, you know, technique today. <laughs> like they don't, they don't care. They yeah, don't care yeah. about like, that's, that's not sexy. Yeah, it's not. So 
But to the government, I'm like, this is important because, you know, of this can, this chemical can cause this or mentally we, there's proof that blah, blah, blah of this demographic of people are not getting serviced. And like, there's just a lot of more so like, that's how you speak to the government. And then they also, I'll say public safety and monetarily, you know, like that's literally all there. They're like, okay, does this get people graduated and do they now become successful, like working citizens, you know, and that's, that's where it it comes into play. So Mm -hmm. it's all these different kind of like hats of like, and that's just for your state too. That's the craziest part is like, there could be someone, there could be a Brianna, Brianna, sorry, in every state. (laughs) doing the same thing, but like differently. And I really wish there was some sort, I'm sure you wish too, like some sort of entity as like a whole that would say for the whole country, these are the standards. This is what needs to happen in order to get into this industry. It would make us more respected getting into the industry and probably like make people feel more empowered to better. For the different stylists that are moving state to state, like they don't want feel like okay yes reciprocity like exists in states but it's like some states really feel like Mm -hmm. yeah I I moved thinking I could just transfer my license and then I found out that that state has 500 more hours than the state that I but I've been in a stylist for 20 years you know like it's Mm -hmm. crazy it's really crazy so um, there's a lot of work to be done. And I always tell stylists because people are like, you know, what can we be doing? And um, do we just wait on change to come? And the reality is that everything, even if all states just started, started rewriting their curriculum right now, it is not going to affect the current professionals. No. You learned what you learned. You know, I encourage you to go do continued education. Like I highly, highly recommend, you know, even if it's not a requirement in your state, because a lot of states are trying to reduce the different departments that they have because of monetary, like they don't want to have to keep paying all these departments. So you see a lot of states getting rid of continued education as a requirement. Mm -hmm. So you as an individual and a professional have to hold yourself to standards to figure out like what, what work do you want to put out? And what do you want to also convey to the next like aspiring professional? Because they're looking up to you. The ones who are out here like speaking up, you know, being a heavy hitter, heavy hitter in the industry, whether it's working behind the chair or whether it's just like, you know, doing a podcast, like whatever it is, there's still so many aspects to being a part of this industry that you just have to find your niche and speak up and Mm -hmm. hold your ground. And so I, I just always tell people like, whatever you're going to do, like, just make sure that you're doing it from a perspective of educating yourself, educating someone else, you know, like not everybody's an educator. So I'm not like trying to push, if that's not your comfort zone, then just make sure that you are, you are well-rounded because when you, come in a box and cookie cookie cutter in a one trick pony like kind of just keeping us you're keeping everybody like down yeah yes I totally agree yeah typically those stylists who are doing that to themselves are the ones who are calling and they're like I'm not making enough money I don't think I can make it in this industry so they they 
the big wake up call is when they finally like seek education and they see that, wow, if I just expanded my knowledge, I could have yeah. went to level two, level three, you know? So, yep. um, that is, that's, that's kind of what we have to do. Um, there's, there's some odds, you know, I think we briefly talked about it a little bit, but there's some odds that are still against us in other states, you know, in the discussion of deregulation that that's like a whole nother department, you know, and the scary thing is that I'm just not saying that we're, we're concerned about it immediately right now. Um, but with the concept in people speaking about deregulation, it's like, well, let me sit back and think if one day that they just said that the cosmetology license did not exist, Yes, that would cause a little bit of turmoil, a lot of mm-hmm. turmoil, you yeah. know, to our yeah. industry. It definitely would, mm-hmm. but it also eliminates a lot of the restrictions that we're currently dealing with. So I'm, I'm just trying to play, I'm trying to advocate for both sides and understanding that if this were to happen, am I going to lose all hope in my industry and feel like I can't? No, I'm not. Yeah. Right. I'm and there's so many other countries that actually already operate like this and they operate more like an apprentice program where I'm like, whatever happens, I just want to make sure I'm doing my part to make sure I'm doing hair correctly behind my chair, that I'm educating correctly, and that I hopefully am inspiring somebody else to take my place because I will not be doing this for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you know what really needs to happen? Uh, regardless of deregulation is I feel like industry leaders need to collaborate and come together to make definitions of things that we can all agree on, right? First, we have definitions and then we have education within those definitions. And then there is a national standard that we've created for what success looks like, right? Like what, what do you do in this case? What do you do in this case? And it's not like the, the right or wrong, but it's like, it's a foundation that we all agree on. Right. Cause yes. it's like we're I- artists. And so everything is like, you can just make up a word and create something and there's no rules around it. And that exactly. is so confusing for so it many is. people. It is. And like, that is one thing that when I like started sitting down and writing curriculum for my own self, I was like, okay, there are scientific, like, chorology is the study of curls. You know, like, literally, I want to make sure that everything is based on, you know, science and facts, because if you want to dissect anything that I just, like, yeah, about, like, literally, it makes sense. And so, um, you are absolutely right because even as all of these independent educators are kind of popping up everywhere, um, one, I, I give them their, you know, like kudos to you all because it takes a lot to be an educator. I'm speaking from experience and I'm just, I'm very grateful to, you know, a lot of these people who are taking the initiative to say, Hey, I want to educate. Um, but then also I've once again, kind of a caddy industry, whether we like it or not, there's just some history in it that it does sometimes like end up being my education, your education. And it's like, okay, you know, so if we could all, I would, I would very much appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also just collaborating with other educators because it's, it's become so helpful. Yeah. I think the cattiness a lot of the time, um, obviously this is just my opinion, but um, I think people feel like, 
okay, so I could be this person who has spent years and thousands and thousands of dollars to increase my education. And yet I hold the same license as Betty down the street, who's had the same license for 40 years and has never taken a class in her life. And so I have to make myself look special right? And so I hold it close because it's mine, right? Whereas if there was some sort of like widely accepted, almost um, standard, whether it's a certification or whatever, where we all are like, I'm going to aspire to this, right? Then it might just be more like everyone supporting each other to get elevated instead of like trying to, you know, differentiate. It'd be like obvious, right? Like maybe we call it something like hairology. I don't know, right? You're like, yeah, like I, oh yeah, I'm into hairology. You're like, cool. You got that's it. What, I know. That's what cosmetology is supposed to it be. It is, right? Yeah. Yes. Like that's what we all should have like acknowledged. And I my side note, because I always want to clarify this, even when I say this statement in class where I'm like, guys, cut, you know, cut it with the like, you know, um, because you can't grow when you're just constantly looking over at somebody else. Like focus on yourself and expand. But for those, what I always have to say to those who are like, I I'm just trying to hold on for dear life. I'm like, especially for those who are entering education, like one, there's a difference between charging your worth, you know, like obviously as an educator and also as a stylist, like you need to make sure your work is speaking and also you're charging your worth. And that definitely starts to distinguish and like separate you out. And so I never want to like, oh, don't like cut the cattiness and like, let's all just be friends. There's always, there's still, there's still different, um, different angles to, to understanding, but yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely challenging. We have still got to speak the truth, like at the end of the day. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, now I want to know, cause I've seen you posting on your social media for your curl classes. Um, so obviously we know you want to teach hairstylists how to work with tight textures and curly hair, but you're also teaching classes to the community, which is like, Oh, I love this. Yes. So tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Okay. Awesome. So um, my overall goal, like that I always remind myself every day is that like the whole reason I'm doing this is because I want to do my part in making curly hair resources, whether that's education, products, skills, tools, whatever the case may be, more accessible. So long story short, if I get to the day where years on and they're like, oh, there's no more curl specialty because it's like standard, that would be amazing. Um I think that there is a part to be played in both the professional sector to understand how to treat curls and work with curls, you know, um, whether that's styling, cutting, coloring, you know, basics to extreme, whatever the case is, like you need to know what you're doing when it comes to textured hair. But we know that as professionals, this is a two-way street. We can't have like- Amen, sister. Yes, like- (laughs) You can have the consumer like mistreating their hair and just thinking you're going to save it in one session. And the consumers are the ones who are growing up with this hair since they're born, you know, and for some time and for some people, like maybe they went through something hormonal or just like a transition in life where maybe they had straight hair and then all of a sudden like things started changing and they're like, maybe I'm switching up my hair and I just I've never experienced this before. 
So the more that we can teach consumers what the things to look for helps us do our jobs better. And also it really helps like empower the consumer and empower, you know, our clients like in realizing that this is the hair that you go home with. You know, at the end of the day, I know you leave the salon and you're happy, but like what happens the next day after I'm not there? Like, I'm not going to be sitting there at your mirror like, all right, Miss Susie, (laughs) get your hair done. (laughs) Like, so the more that I can like instill confidence long-term into that client, like one, like it does allow us to service even more clients. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a huge wake up call, like for me, because I'm so used to being told, like, have your clients and see them on like a two week basis. But when I really started like organizing my curl services, there was clients I don't see like, but once every two months, you know, once every three months. And for some clients who travel in to see me, it's like twice a year, you know, or one times a year. And when they come in, like, it just makes me so proud when they're like, I've been doing everything that you've been telling me to do. Their color looks wonderful. Their ends look wonderful, you know, like, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, the more that I can teach the client means that they're set up, you know, for and they're happy. Yes. Yes. And they're teaching their children in the next generation. And we're really shifting like the storyline, the story plot of like this next generation that's growing up with textured hair mm-hmm. and having these like, oh yeah, I had like a crazy second grade picture because my mom didn't, you know, like, yeah, or like I had to go through a relaxer and it's just awesome to like hear that from the children who are coming in. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm low-key jealous. I'm low-key jealous of the experience they're having, but I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, like, I get my awkward picture and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Girl, yeah. And I've had children who've been like, I took photos, Brianna. Like, look how my mom did my hair. And I'm like, wow, you oh. look great like a model in I your first picture. And mine was like, let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Yes, yes. Oh, that oh. is so awesome. I I love that so mm-hmm. much. Um, my, I guess, shtick in this whole education space is I feel like I'm a uh, communication specialist, right? And yeah. Like my, in my heart of hearts, I would love to help more clients and hairstylists communicate better. And like you said, like that's a two way street, whether no matter what type of hair you're talking about. And so to hear someone else talking about how it it goes both ways and like you have to empower the client and, and also the hairstylist and then everyone's happy. Just, yeah, I love, I love that you said that because, um, I was on call with a stylist actually last week and the conversation was centered around why don't clients speak up when they maybe are dissatisfied with their hair. And she was telling me about, you know, some different situations that she has experienced and then also, you know, everything's on social media. So there was just kind of different posts going around and everybody was like, well, it's on the client. Why did she not say anything? And I'm like, I'm not picking anybody's sides because as professionals, like we do need to build our like intuition and like in commuting and nonverbal skills and awareness. Yes. Awareness. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, just even watching some of the videos, I'm like, I already can feel the tense, like in like there. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, like I would have already sensed something was off 
you know, before um, to say, hey, your bill is $300, you know, $400. Like, yeah. And then there's just so many stories of like, you know, clients who pay it and then say, hey, later on, they finally come up with the courage to say I was displeased with my hair. And then like professionals are like, well, why did you pay it? And I'm like, this is all communication. All of it. And the consultation is not just about identifying what's no what you're doing with the hair. Like there's so many things that mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to be aware of. So totally. And whether that's talking about as a hairstylist being like with honest with your client, like, gosh, I honestly don't know what your textured hair needs. I'm going to find out, or I will find someone to help you. Like there's simple yes. communication skills that would help everybody. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love it. I was in a class um, and we brought that up. Like, you know, it's okay to let, just be honest. Yeah. And it's like, do people really like that? And it's like, yes, actually you'd be very surprised that most people would just be like, oh, well, thank you for telling me. Or the times where clients are like, hey, I, this is my first time, but I feel like I have, you know, admitting where their like level of education, you know, mm-hmm. is like, I know I have the capability to get you here. Do you want to go there with me? And how many clients actually say yes, because they don't usually get that from. Yeah. There's like this um, facade that we need to fake it till we make it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe that works in some aspects, but I think when you're like one-on-one with someone and you're in charge of their hair and you don't actually know what they're doing, it usually doesn't work out very well to do that. <laughs> yeah. So to say like, you know, this is stepping out of my comfort zone, but I feel very confident here. And like, maybe we can do a little here off to the side. And how do you feel about that? I I run and operate the same way. And I have never had a client say, mm, no, thanks. Cause they're yeah. like, oh, well, you seem really confident in what you do know. So I feel like you're going to be honest if you don't know something, you know? Cool. Yes. Um, Okay. One last question for you. Um, You are an educator for InnerSense now, which is great. I love, love, love InnerSense. And um, that class, by the way, in San Francisco was one of the best classes that I've been to just the the education was great the atmosphere was great i love that the owners of the company are there also um it was just fantastic but um the team was wonderful they so good yeah uh it was a very very diverse uh day of education too with like aaron the two aarons with the the shags and the curls and the mixing in the bowls and it was great Um, so I'm curious how long you've worked for InnerSense and then have you explored other companies as well? Or is this like your first company you've worked for? Um, just kind of, I guess, tell me about, uh, that, that part of you and what you do. Um, so I have been associated with InnerSense for going on, it's about five years, um, with my education and hands-on like classes, I was really looking for products that one worked on all hair textures and really had that wide spectrum of products that, you know, I can do blowouts with, I can work with loose curls, tight curls, you know, it was, is very versatile. And so I came across InnerSense, um, looking for that and 
got my you know style trial in the kit and started working with it loved it immediately and then really like dove deep into understanding like more about the company and learned all about you know like clean beauty and everything and I was like oh my goodness like this is this is it so um independently was like you know teaching with classes or having inner sense be a part and then um I specifically started working like directly with them as an educator um last year in January so okay um this has been like you know almost a year and a half now um I'm artistic director for um for their education team now or there's a there's a group of seven of us and so it's just really awesome to be able to like all collaborate, all work together on projects and train other educators to um, be educators in the community and then also go out to salons and like teach them about clean beauty. So um, Innersense is like near and dear to my heart. I know that in the past, I personally have had like challenges with my hair and like embracing and loving my tight curls. And so when I started like utilizing the product and just utilizing more water soluble like products, it was like a huge like eye opener to and also like contradicts you know everything that you kind of get taught like growing up that your hair like it's unruly and you need the heaviest and the like the most thickest product you know to control it so to like see how that wasn't servicing me and make the switch and feel so much more happier my scalp feels happier like all of that it was like okay this is awesome so um Yes, I've been with them directly for, um, we're getting closer to two years and it's been a wonderful experience. Um, I get to work a lot with like curriculum development and since does a great job of like acknowledging like what your specialties are and allowing us to like get together and, um, you know, create magic. Um, mm-hmm. So I've done, I've got to do product development. I get to test products, you know, before they come Ooh. out. I want to ask you about the new product that came out, the scalp stuff. Oh my goodness. I haven't had my hands on it yet, but I'm like, I know you'll know about it. So tell me about that. Okay. So, um, absolutely wonderful. So they have, I'm going to say the name wrong, but it's like the renew treatment. Um, that's the pre it's like the pre-wash renew treatment. Um, and it's phenomenal. Um, it's a great scalp treatment to kind of like, you know, eliminate buildup, um, without you, you know, a lot of people, they're like looking for that, like strip are stripping, like, yeah. Like deep clarifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like looking for a deep clarifying. And so we find a lot of people are when they get introduced to clean beauty, they're like, Oh, let me go get like a harsh clarifying. Like, let me cleanse my scalp first and then like start. And it's like, actually, you just need something that's going to gently like uplift that and remove it. And so um, you have the Renew treatment, which is phenomenal. It's very soothing. It's like a gentle, like I used it. I actually just used it last night. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing feeling to like feel squeaky, squeaky clean, but like in the most like healthiest way possible. Nice. Um, it comes with the, I always say the material wrong. I, I don't know if it's quartz, but uh-huh. do you, you know that? yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Like, I'm a person who, yeah, massages are great on the scalp. But, like, if I go too long, like, I know I want to, like, dig in there and, like, get my hair. You know, like, but you're always cautious of, like, I don't want to scratch my scalp. I don't want to, like, you know, like, obviously damage anything, you know, like, with my skin. And so that is, like, the most soothing, like, deep 
massage like feeling to have. Um, I know my clients, when I start bringing it more into the salon, um, they're going to love it having it at home because clients always deal with like, okay, I cleanse the rest of my hair, but I'm not really getting to my scalp good. Yes. That, that is just like an easy access um, tool to use to get your scalp clean or to like really get the, the products in there indirectly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then after you've like washed, styled, um, they have like a daily serum, like a daily, um, I think it's Renew. I'm trying to think of the exact name, but it's a uh-huh. name that you can use. And that is just to like keep your scalp, you know, hydrated throughout, um, throughout the weeks, throughout the days and things like that. And so I love the, the formulation of it because a lot of those scalp treatments or like throughout the weeks ones, I see them popping up in a lot of companies and I really have like stayed away from them because one, they're loaded with a lot of heavy oils. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not something that you, that can really um, create an environment for increasing buildup on your scalp. And I think people get consumed in like the reading of like, oh, this is a natural oil, but I'm like, there's still certain oils that can clog your pores. Um, So it's more than just like creating a concoction of oils and just like you know, putting it on your scalp all the time. And so I definitely like utilizing it. I can feel like the peppermint sensation, like it's very absorbative, like into the skin, Mm -hmm. um, definitely keeps your scalp like hydrated, especially like during the, um, dry. I almost like wish it came out like a little bit. I know like October would have been good. Yes. Cause everybody during that like winter season was like, what can I use? And I'm like, it's coming. I promise. Yeah. But I tell you, it's it's an amazing, amazing formula. Um, just once again, another another product to keep you happy, your hair life happy, like all throughout the week. That's so. awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, this company called Tikwane. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's this one woman, um, Anissa, who works behind the stage in movies and Hollywood. And so her clients are actors in wigs all day long. And she's like, she created this scalp product because they all have scalp conditions uh, from being in wigs all the time. Yeah. And it's great. It comes with like this little wooden comb to kind of same idea. And I take it with me when I go to the sauna, you know, it's like, it's a very therapeutic feeling. It is. is. And that's like a I don't always like talk about it to people. Like when I go to the salon to get my hair done, I'm always like so insecure, but like I wear ponytails are like puffs, kind of like how I wear them in San Francisco. And like when I pull my hair up, I like the way my scalp, like the skin like folds, Uh sometimes it just, it gets pushed together or wrinkled, you know, like, and it's nothing, it's nothing I'm like concerned about at all. But I know like when I've been doing that weeks, you know, all throughout the month, I'm like, I literally, it's like, if you wore a ponytail, you know, for a long time and like yeah. every day just doing that, I'm like, I love the look, but I know that when I let my hair down, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I need my scalp massage. And so, and I need like a treatment without grabbing, you know, like a harsh shampoo or anything like that. And so um, it's just very, like you said, therapeutic. It definitely like relieves all that stress and tension. Um, mm-hmm. it feels like I'm like kneading my, my scalp. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. well, it's all those little muscles attached to our hairs yeah. that get sore, like muscles on our body. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's an amazing feeling um I just yeah it makes me love love my hair and like explaining that to clients it's those little things that they're like I deal with that all the time but I just usually like I'm like this is what comes with having curly hair and I'm like no you can you can take care of that yeah. yes yes awesome oh. all right well I feel like I got everything and more <laughs> out of this interview. This was so fun. Um, I, I was like allotting about an hour and we almost said an hour and a half girlfriend. So yeah. Um, I, Oh, one more question. I heard that InnerSense is coming out with a hair color line this year. Um, are you, do you currently do color in the salon or you cuts only? I do. I do color, um, cuts and styling. Yeah. Okay. Have you had the opportunity to tinker with any color yet? I have not yet. Hopefully this summer I'll be at headquarters and I'll get to play around with it. But from all of my other peers who have and seeing their work, I'm once again, I'm very much jealous. <laughs> That's so um, cool. So I'm really excited. I know that they did a launch, um, at the beginning of this year in Texas, um, I forgot at Maravel mm-hmm. and I was out of town and so I wasn't able to attend, but everybody was like, oh my goodness, Brianna. So hopefully this summer I'll get to. Yeah. And then that'll open up a whole new area of education for them with color and textured hair too. So, and that's what I'm really excited about. Cause I feel like that's, um, something I'm like when it comes to teaching and the different classes and stuff, like that's always a conversation I want to get into, but having a company that would back you, you know, um, I, the color line that I currently use, like, I love them. Um, they, they work for me, but there has been some, like, I've had reps that have come out to my salon and they're like, oh, honey, you need to speed that up. Like she has dark coarse hair and I'm like, that's going to fry her curls and her elasticity will not be there. And like, it just, it irritates me sometimes. Cause I'm like, okay, these are the, the reps from the company. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. I just know that the development of this color line one, the fact that it's, you know, still within clean color, like is amazing. That's revolutionary already. Mm-hmm. And then two, like just having that, that passion behind it just means so much more to us as stylists. Um, cause it is kind of like concerning to me. I'm like, yeah, I use it, but like, they've asked like, Hey, can we use your work? Can we like do this? But can you teach this class for us, but teach it according to our curriculum? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I would, I just would not do that on curly hair. You know what? And they're like, well, we're just trying to hurry up and do fast placement. And it's not about. Yeah. If that's not you, then it's not you. Exactly. So yeah. I'm just, I'm really excited. Um, always new things. Yeah. I'm excited. I use like a a clean color right now that I enjoy, uh, but their education is not great. Yeah. And that's what I'm like, you have a clean color line. So like, that's why I like it, but like the education. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a feeling InnerSense will be pretty spot on. (laughs) Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, I knew this would be a good conversation when I heard you talk on stage. I was like, I need to talk to this girl. (laughs) And literally whenever you need anything, let me know. I know I got caught up and I was busy for a second, but yeah. Oh no, that's good. Um, okay. So tell us for anyone that's listening, you are hosting a class or a couple classes with, and I'm so sorry. I meant to write her name down. I forgot to write it down. 
Yes, we're going to be at Raven Rose Salon. Raven. Okay. Um, oh, but the class is going to be with me and JC Dobson okay. um, in Austin, Texas coming up. This will be May 1st. Um, and then also May 31st will be for consumers. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to do like consumer class for them and that next day will be all professionals um they everybody gets like their home their own take-home kits um consumers will get like you know their their tools their combs brushes like the best things that will help them set them up for success um for styling their hair at home and then also they'll receive like their own product kit and then same thing for the professionals they'll receive all the same material in addition to their mannequins um and materials that they need you know for for class and stuff like that so awesome I'm really excited um they can sign up on chorology.com information is on there if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me on instagram brianna bell underscore or the study of curls um or search us up at chorology.com yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes for this podcast as well. All right. Well, um, you better get back to work because you have a lot of things going on oh. with your, <laughs> but thank you thank for your you. time. I yes. appreciate it. And, um, I'll just, I guess, be in touch as things unfold with InnerSense. I'm sure I'll be at a class as soon as the color is launched. So yes. See you soon. Great. Okay. That sounds great. Have a good day. Thank bye. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, I bet after listening to that interview, you've got a smile on your face, right? Isn't Brianna just inspiring? And she's just like this ray of sunshine and everything that she says, I'm like eating it up. Love it. Love her. Um, You will find the links to her education and her website in the show notes here where you're listening. And if you liked this episode and you want more, I want to hear about it. I want you to go to Instagram and DM me. I'm your.hair.mentor. Give me your feedback. Ask me your questions. Tell me all the things there. I check my messages regularly and I can guarantee I will get your message if you send it there. So once again, thank you so much for listening, friend. As always, it's my pleasure and happy hair day to you. Until next time. Okay, bye. Hey, friend. Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind-the-chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. 
Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.